0: John, there's a new opening on the Supreme Court, which we could talk about, but it's got nothing to do with health care.
1: Oh, what about the Affordable Care Act? What about abortion rights? What about gun rights?
0: I think you're missing something. Well, sounds like you've already started the oral arguments. Welcome to Care Talk, your supreme home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Well, John, it's acronym time again, one we don't get to use that much, SCOTUS. It's a SCOTUS talk. <laughs> it sounds like a weird part of the body somehow, but I think we'll, we'll have some we will have some fun with it. I, I, I think the Supreme Court could not be more important
1: and could not be less focused on until this nomination. So I think it's a
0: great topic. All right, John, let's go for it. So listen, John, I mean, Supreme Court in healthcare, everybody talks about it, but just broadly, I mean, what role does the Supreme Court play in healthcare anyway? Well, it
1: really probably shouldn't pay any role at all. I mean, the reality, if you look over the history of the United States, we've actually spent most of the time with the legislature legislating, the president signing bills or not signing bills. And particularly with regard to healthcare, it's we've sort of drifted into the Supreme Court at being the arbiter of decisions, whether it's Brown versus the Board of Education around segregation or about the loving case around you know uh, um, um, interracial marriage, or the most recent healthcare example is upholding the ACA. So we've gone from a country that was focused on making laws and passing laws with the legislature to one that f- passes laws and then fights over it and ha- lets the decision be made by people with Permanent, long-term appointments who dress funny.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair enough, John. I mean, I mean we dress funny, so maybe we could get on the uh, Supreme Court on that basis. I think we're both way too old. I think you have to be about twenty-one now to be uh, appointed. So I'm,
1: I'm very comfortable with the outfit, having grown up a Catholic, David. I, I, I you no, know, but I, I think, but seriously, why do we let these judges make decisions that our electoral system is supposed to make on its own? I, I think it's kind of crazy, but there's no question. I mean, don't you, they? They are pretty central right now to whether the ACA, whether healthcare is, healthcare for all Americans or for at least a few Americans, is going to be upheld.
0: No, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think you know they're the final arbiter of the law. So I think you know let's let's take a look at some of the things that have happened recently. So we talk about everyone knows about the Affordable Care Act, but we'll come and talk about that in a little bit more detail. But you know, some things that you consider in healthcare like reproductive uh, health. So the you know, there's recently um, you know some states have tried to make it so that. They tried to limit or restrict abortion completely, and they said, well, a physician who is performing abortions has to have hospital privileges nearby. So the court ruled that, no, you can't do that. That's an undue burden. Uh, But on the other hand, they also said that, you know, employers don't have to cover things that they don't agree with. So that means an employer doesn't have to pay for contraceptive coverage if uh, if they object to it on religious or conscience grounds. I mean, those are a couple of things outside of the ACA.
1: Yeah, I, I think this the, the fact that the 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 Supreme Court is making these decisions is kind of ludicrous. I I think that it is a great example of that the extreme partisanship and the inability. You know, the vast you know seventy percent of America agrees that uh, uh, that 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 women should have access to abortion uh, uh, in, in general. Uh, many folks will 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 want to restrict that that last trimester access. Uh, the vast majority of americans agree that uh contraception uh, should be w- broadly available and yet we are we are we are we are permitting the supreme court to kind of drift into this decision maker role which i don't at all think was the original intent of the framers it's interesting that that uh, that that we we've, we've that and, and i don't think it's a liberal or a conservative thing but the role of the court in making decisions, I, I think, has gotten a little ludicrous.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's up there, John. I mean, in the general grounds, I was reading a, an article that was saying that uh, you know, if the if the new nominee is appointed, then the majority of the justices will have been appointed by presidents who did not receive a majority of the popular vote, which is certainly Trump with three and and Bush with uh with two. So. You know, it's kind of it's kind of nuts that that's who is the ultimate arbiter, and uh, they are really not representative. So let's talk about Affordable Care Act, such it is. Or since we're using the the broader acronyms, I think originally it's the it's really PPACA, Patient Protection Affordable Care Act. So there there are a couple times that the Affordable Care Act has come before the court and it's kind of survived pretty well. I mean, you know, the weird thing was in 2012. Uh, a couple of years after the law came into into play, the whole thing was was challenged. They challenged it kind of on the individual mandate. And the individual mandate uh, and, the, and the law in general were upheld, but they surprised people by saying, well, Medicaid expansion, uh, you, you can't force the states to do that. And that was a surprise and very ideological that the states, many of them, then, then didn't follow through. And accept the medicaid expansion even though the feds were paying for almost the whole darn thing
1: well i i think again this is this is let's 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 step back and say do we really want a group of unelected permanent appointees um, to be making these decisions that should be litigated negotiated uh deliberated on and decided on our elected representatives it's it's sort of crazy. But now that that is the system we've got. Look, November 10th, seven days after the election, the ACA is up and we've got a, you know, a, a president who's got, who's trying to shotgun uh, uh, and fast track uh, an appointment, uh, even though he didn't get the popular vote and may not even be the president um, after she is she she is potentially nominated and confirmed. It It, it is. It, 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 and so we've got a system where these critical Decisions around healthcare policy, access to, to to care, access to services, are potentially going to be tilted in the wrong way simply because we've sort of lost track of what should be the should be the decisions of le- on the legislative side of the elected representatives, and what should be a truly constitutional question regarding uh, of this that, that would be appropriate. For the the, Supreme, the court of the supremes. I mean, I I I I think it's 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 da- it's a dangerous structure that has drifted, and now it's being manipulated. I mean, I I I don't see how the the president can justify, uh, you know, sh- slamming this 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 approval through this nomination through, um, you know, when 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 so much is at risk, and it should be decided by the, on the by the legislative side by the elections. I mean, how how do you feel about that?
0: Well, I think sure, John. I mean, I was still quite angry that uh, President Obama's nominee Merrick Garland, you know, wasn't taken up at all uh, by the Senate, and it was ten months before the election. And now, you know, the same <laughs> Senate Majority Leader McConnell all of a sudden decided, you know, principles be damned, it doesn't really care whether it's hypocritical uh, or not, just want to ram uh, ram somebody through. I mean, it, it's ugly. So let's let's. So the first thing is make sure. Listeners, make sure that you're registered to vote and that you go and vote and vote in person if possible uh, so that your vote will definitely be counted. But in the meantime, let's say what is this case going to be about the Affordable Care Act? I mean, really at stake is the whole law, right, because the whole law could be struck down um, if the Supreme Court uh, upholds the a lower court uh, decision on that. So what would happen, John? The first thing you're going to lose Is pre-existing
1: conditions the one thing that the 99% of Americans agree on? Is that and and the number of people with pre-existing conditions has just gone up by seven million of those people who got have gotten COVID. So you've got the hundreds of millions of people with pre-existing conditions, which is a broad category for anybody who suffered from any form of chronic illness or incident that would suggest a condition that could make them sicker later. Uh, and that is one of the most universally beloved aspects
0: of this law, will be lost. No, but John, we don't have to worry about it because Mr. Trumpy, your president, signed an executive order that says pre-existing conditions will be protected.
1: Again, as we think about appropriate uh, 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 roles of accountability,
0: he has no authority. Well, John, maybe he's going to tell TikTok they have to pay for all the pre-existing conditions. How's that? (laughs)
1: we will lose protections against pre-existing conditions and millions of people will lose their health care in the middle of a public health crisis which is where we've got a virus that's running through our population and making people sick and we already have you know one out of four Americans worries about being able to afford their the health care when they've got coverage i mean it it it's it's a it's a it, it's a tipping point into I think, uh, you know the chaos of politics will now turn into chaos in healthcare, and uh, the, you, you could call him. He is the he is definitely the chaos candidate. But when you start taking people's healthcare away, I think it's extraordinary. And last night in the debate, he was challenged on the fact that it's been that, that he had a beautiful plan, and that it's been three and a half years in, and there is no plan, and it and, and what we see is far from beautiful.
0: So, John, let's talk a little bit about the pre-existing conditions some more, because. You know, I don't think we can expect the general public or even our uh, healthcare wonky listeners to understand all of the Affordable Care Act, but these things are all intertwined. And with pre-existing conditions, it's not enough to say you'll cover pre-existing conditions, right? You also have to, there's also other parts of the Affordable Care Act uh, that, that are in effect here. So for example, annual caps and lifetime caps, if you cover pre-existing conditions, but you say, well, you know, we don't cover you after $50,000 for the year or $500,000 for your lifetime you know that's not that useful when we have coverage that when we have costs that are so expensive if you can actually raise somebody's premium because they have a pre-existing condition uh, you know then that doesn't work either and the the individual mandate comes in here as well because you know the same way you, you don't have the same kind of pre-existing conditions coverage in other industries like if your car is 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 uh, already crashed you can't buy insurance if your house is on fire you can't buy insurance you can't buy life insurance uh, you know if you're if you're about to die so we do it differently here in healthcare, and the way it could work is if everyone has coverage. If you just wait until you're sick to get coverage, it doesn't work. So there is there is a combination of you know, needing everyone to be in coverage in order for pre-existing conditions to work, and then all the other things that surround it uh, to make it happen.
1: CMS itself admits that 50 to 129 million Americans, 20 to 50% of Americans, have some form of a pre-existing condition. It's so biases the pool that unless there's a clear rule there you will see these weird things like hey you're insured until it gets too expensive hey you're insured but because you had a pre-existing condition 20 years ago it's going to cost you a lot of money hey you're you're insured but oh you're not insured because you can't afford the the coverage and there and there's no way to get you the coverage i mean it it is a critical component in making the system work take that away the system becomes, becomes really unhinged. And all of the reasons that people hate insurance, surprise, surprise bills, surprise requirements, limits on coverage, all will come back. It, you know, it, 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 it could really
0: be a horror story for, for healthcare for, for tens of millions of Americans. Now, John, there's a new nominee out there. And uh, so you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg, may she rest in peace, uh, has left the scene. And a new person is there. Now, to me, she seems very good because she's also a woman with three names, Amy Coney Barrett, so like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she's a judge. And so, boom, you just replace one or the other, be a seamless transition. What do you (laughs)
1: think? I think it's insane. I mean, even you know, Abe Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War did not want to replace a Supreme Court justice during an election, this close to an election. And we're even closer now. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is clearly a highly qualified judge. But she is disqualified as a candidate to shotgun this through during the middle of an election. Um, you know, each party has the right and the and and and, and probably the obligation to promote uh, ideologues uh, of the of their own. Historically, both parties have have moved towards the middle in their in their nominees, with with, with some rare exceptions. The Nomination and votes on Supreme Court justices until the last 20 years were were actually disorientingly bipartisan, and uh, that has not been the case recently. Um, But no one has tried to shotgun a new Supreme Court nominee with this in this kind of timing in this kind of an election, particularly at this volatile time. I think it's going to add fuel to the fire of the current partisanship, potentially make the, the 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 court more unstable. And that and that is that is with a qualified candidate because she and and just to be clear, although she's qualified from a legal perspective, she's pretty extreme. Um, She's attacked the ACA uh, pretty, pretty directly. Um, She's undermined and questioned the rationale for uh, access to abortion rights at Roe v. Wade. And she is also um, uh, rather an extremist in on the on the on the Second Amendment. Um, you know, fr- firmly standing in the, in the, on, on the position that, that, uh, nonviolent felons should have access to weapons. I mean, it's, it's, um, she is, uh, she is tailor-made to create more, uh, more contention on the court as opposed to actually bring the court together. And I think that's whether it's bringing the court together
0: or the legislature, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy making David. John Roberts, uh, Chief Justice has actually, I think, seen the importance of keeping the court as non-political as possible, and he's you know come over to the, to be more of a centrist uh, over time because I, I think he sees the importance of you know preserving the court. I think that there is a chance that the court is not going to be, and the courts in general are not going to play such a central role in the future. You know, the what the Republicans are trying to do now is to you know lock in tons of very conservative judges for the next generation, so even if they uh, lose the elections. You know that it won't matter so much, but I think there's a real a real challenge uh, if we're going to preserve our democracy. You know, we can't have minority rule; it has to be ruled by the majority. And I could actually see that we may uh, see a reduction in the power uh, of the courts in the in the coming um, in the coming decade.
1: Well, I think I think you're going to see a huge movement if if she's forced through, which it looks like everything's going to happen that that way. You're going to see the Democrats move very very quickly to try to to pack the court or to limit the lifetime appointments. Now, there actually is some history, David, of, of passing law and, and excluding it from the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. It's been done rarely and courts don't like it, but that could happen. You could also see um, um, and some sort of a, attempt to go to the middle where, uh, it, where 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 for a certain category of decisions, it would not be just a simple majority, um, you know, but it would have to be greater than a, a, either a unanimous decision or seven to two. But I think the the Republicans will rue the consequences of politicizing and destabilizing the process in the court. And what will happen is there'll be a natural reaction, either narrowing the court's mandates, because I don't think anybody really wants uh, the courts making decisions on these critical social issues um, in the context of litigation. It just... When you think, when you step back from it, it doesn't, you know, why would people who have no policy, no accountability, no economics, and not even necessarily the categorical backgrounds that you'd need to make decisions on the complexities of healthcare, kind of picking these bills or throwing them out. And it just, it, it, it's, I, I think it's infuriating and it's going to be even more infuriating uh, if the part, if, if the, if the, if the, if the Supreme Court just becomes a partisan tool.
0: No, John, I'm with you. You know, in some other countries, people are looking at it and saying, gee, this points out about how we do it better, you know, elsewhere. It's not as politicized uh elsewhere. You do have some of these things you're talking about, like uh term limits and not having the final word uh on everything there. So I think we'll we'll see that. And I, I agree with you, John, about about healthcare. I also agree, John, this has been a supremely uh interesting discussion. When we said we were gonna talk about your SCOTUS, I was a little concerned, but I'm glad that it's come out uh a little bit, a little bit better. Our Scotus is in trouble. Yeah, n- no kidding. All right, John. So, well, this is uh, this is it for another edition of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group,
1: and I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening.